Emily Rafferty is still dealing with the shock of her husband's death. Anytime I got in the car, I called him. And so it was like muscle memory of wanting to call him. It was like immediately trying to call him. Loving Through Addiction on the Stories That Heal podcast, a show about making meaning out of pain through storytelling and music. I'm your host, Kendra Carr. Here's some of the song Emily helped write called All the Love You Gave. Every time I get in the car, I call you. I still got a lot I want to say. Like every time I looked in your eyes, I never wondered how much life that we were going to make. Well, my husband was... The way that he died did not reflect who he was as a person. It certainly does not give him enough credit. And the, the stereotype and the stigma behind people that die from an overdose, a lot of the time that's not the case. Robert Jake Rafferty, also known as RJ, came into the world with a bang. RJ was born in California in 1989 when there was that big earthquake in San Francisco. He was born two days later in the basement of a hospital that was like falling apart. But his family didn't stay in California. RJ grew up in Benzie County, where he met Emily Wagner. We went to the same church and RJ was my first ever crush that I had at like eight or nine years old. It was very young, (laughs) the first time I ever felt that flutter in my heart and in my belly about, oh, he's cute. RJ was a 2007 graduate of Frankfurt Schools. Well, there, RJ was pretty involved. Robotics, Odyssey of the Mind, track, football, jazz band, honor society. And he was such an overachiever. That thing weighs a million pounds because of all the medals that he has on there, his letterman jacket. Your smile made everyone feel welcome. On paper, you had the perfect life. I know you didn't mean to you couldn't overcome the hurt inside. According to the U.S. government, in the six years after RJ's graduation, the number of people living with a heroin use disorder in the United States more than doubled. And he was pretty heavily on heroin for like really only four to six months was when it was really that bad, when it happened in that 2013-2014 year. Mm-hmm. After he had, you know, been through rehab and gone through that, hit that version of rock bottom he was fine but he would dabble here and there a few years later rj and emily's path crossed again i was working at the pharmacy in honor and he was working at the bank in honor and we were banking with that bank and so i started when i took over the bank i saw him there hey what's going on i hadn't seen him in a few years and and that was actually i was pregnant with Bo at the time And for some reason, I felt compelled to let him know before I just, like, posted something on Facebook, like, whatever. But I said, hey, guess what? And (laughs) he's like, what? I said, I'm pregnant. He goes, no way, but you were supposed to have my babies. That was Emily's first clue that maybe RJ felt the same way that she always did. They began talking regularly until one night. I was like... I'm going to be probably just a single mom for the rest of my life. He's like, Emily, I've been hitting on you for weeks. 
They had been dating for more than a year when they attended Emily's cousin's wedding in New Orleans. And it comes time for the bouquet toss. And RJ, my sister, and the bride, my cousin, were all in cahoots, and they staged a bouquet toss, and he proposed to me in front of my entire family. Their entire trip to New Orleans felt magical. He and I both, we just felt like, you know, it's a city of second chances. And we just felt our souls were like, I think we've been here before. (laughs) Because it feels so good. Even though we were young, I knew I loved you. We transcended time and space. When we danced hand in hand through the city of second chances, I felt the magic that we could create. The next year, Emily and RJ were married, and their youngest son, Ronan, arrived the following spring. Later that year, Emily noticed something with RJ wasn't right. I, working at a pharmacy for four years, I saw people high every day. And so physically, I could tell. Um, I wanted to not be right. That gut feeling, I didn't want it to be right. I didn't listen to my intuition until I just couldn't have it anymore. But it wasn't heroin this time. There wasn't a drug of choice. He tended to try something new each time. I think maybe because his addiction started, you know, close to 10 years ago with heroin, and he was very, very addicted to heroin, and he never tried it again. And I think because he never tried that again, then he felt like he wasn't going to go down that hole again. One night, Emily had to take RJ to the hospital. I said, are you struggling? And he admitted he was. And I said, how involved do you need me to be? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to help you through this if I can. He's like, I just need to cut people out of my life. I can, I can do this. For a few months, RJ did his best to stop hanging out with the people he would abuse substances with. You know, there were childhood friendships that evolved into bad habits and toxicity and enabling each other into bad behavior. The day after her birthday, Emily confronted RJ with a drug test. All within 72 hours, I caught him. I went to stay with my sister, with the kids, because I didn't know... He lost his job at the same time, um, and I was kind of, at that point, giving him ultimatums. RJ agreed to go to therapy and focus on recovery. He didn't work. I encouraged him not to. I felt better knowing he was at home and not going anywhere. Um, I supported the family that year, you know, as hard as it was and the amount of times that, like, he maybe hated me. He called me the warden because I was, I just kept him right under my thumb and I, you know, I, he was safe and he was sober right under my thumb. Until finally, things felt like they were turning around. Where I really saw and felt our relationship getting better and him getting better and stronger and excited for the future. Like moving into this house together and what we were going to do together. Nearly a year to the day RJ started his sobriety, he relapsed. Maybe that day he just needed to walk away from it. Like he needed to say goodbye and part with it. 
people do that when they stop smoking cigarettes, you know? It's like, this is my last cigarette, and then I'm done. You know? This is my last beer, and then I'm done. But that day, in December of 2021, RJ passed away. After RJ's death, Emily moved into his childhood home, as they had planned together. This house was in RJ's trust, and the one week before he died, they had finished the paperwork of signing everything over. Still living with her grief, Emily was told about the Stories That Heal project and introduced to composers Molly Sturgis and Tim Jones. Can we text you, like, questions as we Absolutely. go? Absolutely. Okay, because mm-hmm. we... We'll have them. And even send like a voice memo to be like, is this in a key that you would sing it in? Mm-hmm. Would that be Because you're going okay? to sing it on the recording, right? You yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to, yeah. Great. And live in the show. So the I'd recording, like oh, great. And Emily is no stranger to music. I want it to progressively get more and more like major, you know what I mean? Oh, love this. Do you know what I mean? I do. And yeah, I love that. Even if we ended up doing like a key change or something like that, just to make it. Yes! She had a lot of collaborative feedback for Molly and Tim. This could definitely be like the promise section. Like, this is my promise from here on out that I'm going to carry out. Okay, 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 okay. And all that work showed up in the performance at the Garden Theater in Frankfurt. Liz, who was in the pop-up choir, she says, I think you were the only person in that entire theater that wasn't crying. (laughs) (laughs) Emily Rafferty! For Emily, the song means so much more than just what was heard at the performance. It's also about her and RJ's two sons, Bo and Ronan. So when it comes time for me to explain fully what happened to their dad... This song, just especially specifically for our relationship and who RJ was as a person, it just encapsulates it so well and how much love that I had for him and how much love that he had for us. But as Emily waits for the day of that conversation, the family has Daddy's Sunshine. When the sun shines, when it shouldn't, or on a really cloudy day mm-hmm. or after the rain or we see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, we just say hello and we love you. I know you're with us on the other side. We lost this battle, but I'll win this fight. And when the sun shines on a cloudy day, we'll know I'm Kendra Carr. You can hear Emily's entire song as a bonus track on the podcast feed and at our website, iprnews.org. 
Stories That Heal is produced at Interlochen Public Radio. Peter Payette is the editor. The song All the Love You Gave is written by Emily Rafferty, Molly Sturgis, and Tim Jones. Sung by Emily Rafferty with instrumentals by Stone Folk. Stories That Heal is a community partnership project by the Northwest Michigan Arts and Culture Network with funding from Arts Midwest, the Michigan Arts and Culture Council, and the National Endowment for the Arts.